Where we're going to be this morning is Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31. And we're going to bounce from there, and we're going to be in the book of Exodus, and we're going to be in the book of Acts, and we may even hit Galatians. Last week we were talking about covenant when we did the Lord's Supper. We talked about covenant, new covenant. We talked about the covenant of old, which what did we decide about the old covenant? Is there a specific one old covenant? No. There was the Davidic covenant, the Noahic, the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant with the law, the Mosaic covenant. So we had all these different covenants with different people about stuff. However, we do know that the new covenant was the covenant that Jesus came to forgive sin. That Jesus came and he died on a cross so that we could have the forgiveness of sin through his blood and through his sacrifice. And he gave his body, and that was the bread, and he gave his blood, which was the wine, to the disciples. And he said, take this and do this in remembrance of me so that you will have the forgiveness of sin. So that was the new covenant. But in Jeremiah chapter 31, we see in verse 31, chapter 31, verse 31, we see during the days of the old covenant a picture of the new covenant. So Jeremiah 31, 31 is where we're going to be. And the word says this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for that covenant, the covenant of grace, and the covenant which was, which was from your blood. Father, the, the everlasting covenant that was unconditional. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the fact that when we look to you and believe and have faith, we are entered in. And you keep it through your promise and your word. Father, we love you and we thank you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Jeremiah right there sets the stage. And what Old Testament book did he reference? He said, when I led them out of the land of what? Egypt. Right, some of y'all were paying attention. Good. So when I led them out of the land of Egypt, they were under that covenant with me. A covenant which they broke even though I was a husband to them. What the Lord says through Jeremiah. He says, that covenant that they broke the day I led them out of Egypt. What covenant was given to the people after they were led out of Egypt? 
the Mosaic covenant, the covenant of the law, right? Now, I, y'all remember a few weeks back when I did the names thing with y'all? I said, be patient with me. I'm going to ask for a little bit of that patience again today because as I lay this out for you, just take it one piece at a time and go through it with me. It gets awesome the deeper we go. It gets awesomer. Awesomer? Is that a type of polymer? Anyway, it's going to get better the deeper we go. So Exodus chapter 19. If you want, take your Bibles there. Go there in your Bible. So Exodus chapter 19 And we're going to go all the way through chapter 32. So it's going to be a long sermon, too. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, we're not hitting 10 plus chapters. You're right, we're not. I'll sum it up for you. So the people come out of Egypt. How do they get out of Egypt? They come to the Red Sea. What happens at the Red Sea? They cross over, right? Moses holds up the, the rod of God, holds it up and the sea parts, and the people travel over on dry ground, preacher. Yeah, they travel over on dry ground, dry ground, dry ground, and they get to the other side. And then we're going to pick up in verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 1. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt... On the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephidim, from the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness, so Israel camped there before the mountain. All right, stop right there. How long was it? In the third month after the children had gone. Some translations actually break it down more specifically. They say the third new moon. The third new moon. That is 45 Days, 45 days, all right? So we're into the third month of leaving Egypt, 45 days later, 45. Y'all remember that number. Moses is then going to go up the mountain, down the mountain, 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 until, guess what? He's going to smash the tablets Because the people were worshiping a what? A golden calf. So let's break this down. The first time Moses, or we're not going to get specific in all of it, but Moses goes up, meets with God. God says, go back down and tell the people that there's going to be a limit set around them and to consecrate themselves. Then he goes back up the mountain. He goes up the mountain, comes back down, tells the people something else that God told them to do. Gives them the Ten Commandments. Then he goes up the mountain, down the mountain a multitude of times, all right? We'll just say that. But there's that one time right before he comes down and smashes the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Moses was going up there. When he's up there, anybody know what the mountain looks like at that time? Fire come down, right? Boom, that's scary. Scary stuff. So we see fire. We see thunder. We see lightning. We see dark, darkness, smoke, earthquake, and a trumpet. When all this happens, Moses came down with the Ten Commandments. It actually happened before that 40-day stint. Moses came down. 
You know how many days this was from the time that they left Egypt? Before I said it was 45, a few days go by because he went up and down. You know what day it is? 50 days beyond Egypt. 50 days. 50 days? Ring a bell to any? Nah, 50 days, I don't know about that. 50. Why is the number 50 important to God? The what? Oh! You've been reading my notes? The day of Pentecost is what she said. Man, so this is going to be marked by God, given to Moses. The day that they get the law, this is going to be the day of Pentecost. And it's going to start the big festival of Pentecost that they are to observe, which is a big deal. It happens 50 days after what took place in Egypt. What holiday was that that the Jews celebrated? Passover. That's what we talked about last week, right? So last week we looked at Passover and what it meant in the covenant. This week we're looking at Pentecost and what it means in the New Covenant. So 50 days from Passover, when they left Egypt, that's where we are. We've got the law. There's the fire. There's the smoke. There's the darkness. There's the thunder. There's the earthquakes. There's the trumpet of God. And when did they blow a trumpet? Back in those days. They blew it for two purposes. (laughs) Call people to war. Or to call people together for an assembly. Some of y'all are like, that was a good shofar sound, Tony. I wanted to hire you for my next birthday party. That is when they blew the horn. Those two reasons. So whenever you see throughout the Bible that horn getting blown, it's to assemble people together or it's for battle. Sometimes it's to assemble them for battle. So right here on Mount Sinai where Moses gets the Ten Commandments, God comes down and meets him and Moses goes up that mountain to meet God. The two come together. Now, Moses, that last time, comes down the mountain after a 40-day stint up there getting the the blueprint on how to make the tabernacle. That's kind of those middle chapters between 19 and 32 that I was talking about. He comes down and the, the people of Israel are partying. It is a party scene going on down there. They made, they took their earrings that the Egyptians gave them, they threw them in the fire and poof, out come a calf, which they all worshipped. That's what Aaron told his brother. He was like, man, all the people that gave me the, their earrings and stuff, and they threw it in the fire, and this thing popped out. So we had to worship it, right? So that's what took place while Moses is on the mountain meeting with God, figuring out how we should worship you. The people who had the Ten Commandments are down there committing idolatry because... Moses was taking a while. Come on, 40 days? Y'all can't remember what you did two days ago, let alone 40 days ago. Why should they honor God? It's been like a long time. Sometimes we get in that mode, don't we? Sometimes we will have 
God speak to us, we'll come to church, we'll say, man, that was amazing. I can't believe that sermon I heard on the radio or that we got together at church and we just had an amazing prayer group and this, that, and the And you will meet there in the presence of God and you will leave there and the following day you'll be committing idolatry just like these people were. We look at them and go, man, how could they do that? They saw the Red Sea part. They followed them. They saw the 10 plagues in person. And now they're worshiping a golden calf because it took like two weeks when Moses was up there. We have to start a big service. Sometimes we just drift on our way from meeting with God. There's going to be folks here who are going to be cussing and fighting at their wives or their husbands or co-workers or whatever after saying, man, that was really good church service. 30 minutes later, some of y'all are going to be there. Some of y'all are going to be on the phone angry later. Some of y'all are going to be leaving here hangry, going, man, we didn't get to the Mexican joint fast enough. Now we go big line. Now I'm mad. You're just like the Israelites. So Moses comes down the mountain, throws the throws the tablets down, breaks the Ten Commandments, and he gets with the Levites, the priestly group. And you know what the Levites do? He tells them, hey, get your swords, kill all those who are unrepentant, basically. Go around and kill them all. You know what happens? 3,000 guys uh, offed. 3,000 guys killed. Out of how many? Eh, roughly a million. So the percentage was pretty small. But 3,000 killed that day. Mm. That's amazing. Now, we're getting there. We're going to jump back to Jeremiah 31. That's the recap of what happened. Y'all like, man, this is going to be a long sermon. He's just hitting the recap right now. The people broke their covenant with God. They couldn't even keep it in that 40-day period while Moses was on the mountain meeting with God, the mountain covered in darkness, lightning, thunder, all that stuff. They're down at the bottom partying, living for another God. That covenant is what they broke. Jeremiah says, I'm going to build a new covenant. I'm going to make a new covenant. And in the new covenant, it will be what? Everlasting. It will be for the forgiveness of sins. I will remember their sin no more. And forgive their iniquity. That's pretty big. It's pretty big right there. So, we see the connection there. Now I want to I wanna fast forward us to what Tiffany said, because she was studying up my notes, to the day of Pentecost. Now, what book in the Bible does the day of Pentecost take place in the New Testament? The book of Acts, chapter 2. So, if you've got your Bibles, go to Acts, chapter 2. And we're going to look at what happens there. So Acts chapter 2, man, this stuff gets 
excited. I wanted to do this on Easter, but I can't wait that long because as this, I, I mean, yesterday I went into Nikki and Nikki, Nikki was sitting there doing her thing. And I walked in and I was all like, you got to hear this. She was like, mm, okay. She gave me that look. She's like, I'm sure I'll hear it again tomorrow. I'll just ignore you now. Go iron my clothes. No, she didn't say that. <laughs> All right, I stalled to buy you time. All right, Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues divided as of fire and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All right. So right here, the day of Pentecost, also the same day that Moses got the law. The law is associated with sin. The law is associated with you can never... Keep the commandments of God no matter how hard you try. Even the most righteous people failed miserably at keeping the law. And if you don't keep God's law, then you're a sinner. So there is sin in your life. No matter how righteous, no matter how holy you think you are or you try to be, there's sin there. But the good news is that the new covenant had come. Where the old covenant was the law, where Moses came down with the commandments and the people broke them before a month even passed, we have the new covenant. Where they were meeting, they were all in this upper room, right? What comes down? The Holy Spirit. In the form, these little flame-like things. And sounds of mighty rushing winds. So we have the new Pentecost where we have the mighty rushing wind, the loud noise, the, the, the flames of fire coming down on the people, and then the people that were in the room that received the Holy Spirit went out on the streets, and they were able to preach in everybody's language that was there in Jerusalem because of the Feast of Pentecost. Y'all following this? Old Testament, mountain, God says, you're going to have a Feast of Pentecost. Show up in Jerusalem at the holy city, and that's where you're going to do it. And now we have all the visitors in Jerusalem now there for Pentecost from all over the world, and the apostles start speaking to them in their own language. Y'all following this, right? That's like tongues, the gift of tongues. Different language, not ha bang my toe, my shin, and my knee. All right? It is, this is the real life, I'm speaking Italian. I'm speaking French so that French folks can hear me. They all get saved and they all heard them in their own dialects and languages. All right, now 
What happens when Peter gets up there and Peter gives him the gospel? What happened back in Moses' day after the commandments were given when he comes down the mountain? People were in sin. How many of them died? 3,000. Someone remembered. Good. 3,000 people were put to death because they were in violation of their sin because they would not repent of their idolatry. How many people get saved on the day of Pentecost after people preach because they do repent of their sin? Take a guess. Uh, 3,000. There you go. 3,000 people in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant of the Law put to death. 3,000 people in the New Covenant under the Covenant of the Holy Spirit of, of the blood of Christ. They are convicted of their sin at the preaching of the word by Peter, and they repent of their sin, change their minds, and are saved that day. Amazing. So, I don't know if that city, Jerusalem was known as the city of, I think, seven hills. So, their house might have been on a hill, maybe. But why were they at that point? It's because of, what took place on another mountain outside the city of Jerusalem. You know what that mountain was? Yeah, Calvary, Golgotha, whatever you want to call it. Either one's fine. But on Golgotha, the place, the hill outside of Jerusalem, the mountain as they call it, Jesus was marched out there. When was Jesus marched out there? What holiday? Passover. He is marched out there as the Passover lamb. And he is marched up that mountain. And he is there. And on that mountain, there was darkness. And there was smoke. Remember it said, the Bible said it was so dark, it was dark for hours. It was abnormally dark. And there was smoke throughout the city. Why was there smoke throughout the city? Because of the Passover lambs that were being cooked and the fires that were cooking them. So you have the fire out there. You have the smoke. But more importantly, the fire of, of roasting these lambs wasn't the most important thing. It was the fire from God that was being poured out on the sun. In that darkness while he was suspended between heaven and earth. It was the fire that God's satisfaction for justice took place. Justice that was going to pay for the sin of you and me and anyone who would put their faith and their trust in Christ. It was the fire from God that was roasting his son, the Passover lamb pouring out all his fury on all of our sin and our trespass and our inequity and our disbelief and our pride. And he's, God's just pouring it out on Jesus there on that mountain. And it's the place where Jesus, the man, went up that mountain and God came down to meet him in that fire. And Jesus hung there. Looking over a city, 
that was so rotten and religious as they went through all of their, their, their motions and they celebrated the Passover feast like there was nothing to it. All of them doing their, their religious ceremonies and, and making sure that their lambs were roasted and making sure that the blood of that lamb was painted on there. And they're going through all of that while Jesus is watching on the cross saying, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. That's what Jesus is doing there. Was there a mighty rushing wind? Yeah. The mighty rushing wind wasn't like 50 days later. It wasn't like 50 days later at Pentecost where the Holy Spirit comes down. It's when Jesus speaks. It is finished. Into your hands I commit my spirit, Father. When Jesus speaks, it's the same voice that was there in the beginning. The foundation of the world where Jesus spoke and there was light. It's the same voice that speaks all of creation into existence. It's the same voice that speaks every star into its place. It's the same voice that says to the ocean wave, you can go just this far into every mountain. You can go this high. It's the same voice that is now proclaiming forgiveness over a people that will hear him, that are working against him, that are kicking against the goads. And it's the same voice that called you and me, if you are a born-again believer. It's the same voice that spoke into the darkness and called you out of death and into life, into his marvelous light, to say, you are my son. You are my daughter. And that, my friends, makes this whole story of the new covenant So unbelievably awesome to me. But now, let me one-up it and steal from a sermon that I might be preaching in the future at some point. Hopefully you'll forget. All this is taking place on a 50th year. Man, every seven years according to the law that Moses got up on Mount Sinai when the people were downstairs partying, right? Every seven years was to be a Sabbath year. And then there was to be a Sabbath of Sabbath years, and that would be seven times seven, which is what? 49. I'm glad none of y'all said 48 or 53. Glad we got our kids in Oak Grove, Mickey. Except for Joe. What was that 50th year called? The Sabbath of Sabbath years. Anyone know? The Jubilee. Man, this is, I get excited about this now. You ready? The Jubilee year was not just a year where people would be like, this is an extra special year for Passover and everything like that. No, it wasn't like that. If you read in the Gospels, you will see Jesus saying, and when he's quoting Isaiah, this is the year 
of favor, which was a reference to the Jubilee year. And you will see in the Gospel of John where they were preparing for a special Sabbath, meaning a reference to a Jubilee year. This year that Jesus died was a Jubilee year. Well, big deal. What's that mean? That means, see how this pictures Jesus here? Every debt that a person had to another Jewish person was wiped out. You started over. It was the year of freedom. It was the year where all of your contracts and bonds were over and they would be started anew if you wanted to. This was when you owed a debtor some, or a creditor something because you were in debt to them. It was wiped out. And the same thing happens when Jesus walks out of that grave. He walks out and we are all... Free. Free of what? Free of sin. Free of death. Free of the shame that went along with sin. Free to follow him wholeheartedly wherever he leads us. And that is the power of going from Sinai Pentecost to the new Pentecost. So when Peter preaches... And all those captives are set free. It's the same thing that happened to you and to me when you were set free. 